Hello and welcome to the Not a Victim podcast. Not a Victim is a show about learning to live a life without excuses. Today's guest is Bill Barnes. Here's the show. Okay, man, so just give me a little bit of your background and your upbringing, and whether that be childhood or just like uh, all the things that led to where you found yourself years ago, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, well, you know, I was raised on a small family farm, um, real tight, close, close-knit close family. Um, I guess um, one of the things inside my family was um, there was a lot of addiction outside of the house as far as uncles and stuff. And as a young child, um, I kind of gravitated toward that, even though I probably had a better family situation than most of all my friends that I grew up with. Because, I mean, every day, you know, I had my mom and dad come home to. My parents didn't smoke, use drugs, or anything like that, but it was a, a constant thing outside of the house. Right. As far as my uncles and stuff. Right. So um, it just became kind of part of the part of your normal at least somewhat um. well it was a hidden thing because my parents didn't know about it um they had they were clueless because their lives was so tied up into the farm right uh farm dairy farming takes i mean it takes every bit of your time and so they were kind of oblivious to what was going on outside of the house you know as far as what we were being exposed to right just kind of the like typical mentality that like well if you kind of have decent grades and you seem okay then we probably don't need to talk about it. And um, at a very young age, my mother, my mother's mother passed away, which was my grandmother. I was three, and she had two younger children, which was um, my mama's baby brothers. And you know her last request was that my mom take care of them, and um, they came to live with us. Um, William and Michael. Uh, William was a little older than my oldest sister, but me and Michael were closer right. in age than probably my own brother. So they growed up in the house with us. And Michael, he would go over to his brothers, which was our uncle. And I mean, there's many times that even as a kid, he would bring back pot and stuff. And so we were smoking pot at a very young age, mm. exposed to it. What are the what are the events that led to where you found yourself before you you know turn your life around you know what I mean what what uh, obviously this plays into it as far as the way you grow up has a great uh, deal to do with the way you think but what are the like specific things that that led to um, yeah just where you found yourself before you before you turned around you know what I mean okay well um, with my home situation um, I started using drugs very early. Um, by the time I was 15, I was pretty much living outside of the house. I'd done started shooting drugs. Um, and then by the time I was 18, I went out with my uncle to celebrate his birthday. We did LSD. Make a long story short, um, strung out on LSD. I basically overdosed on it, uh, murdered my uncle in, in, in just cold blood. I mean, mm. just very bad situation. Um mm didn't even really know what I was doing hmm. in my mind, but because I was so spaced out on the LSD, it was like a funny thing to do. Hmm. Uh, and, and that was the 
way it played in my mind. And, and this incident that happened, it, it kind of haunted me. Right. And it made me not face reality. Hmm. Um, for like 12 days, you know, um, they didn't find my uncle's body because we had thrown it into a well. Hmm. And when we did find it, it was so decomposed and it was, it was just, it was a terrible, terrible crime that I had committed. Hmm. Um, because of that, I was sentenced to the remainder of my life to the Georgia State Penitentiary. Before, um, as we get to that, um, you're saying like, uh, you know, when when all that was going down, one of the is it one of those things where like you kind of didn't really fully grasp what you had done until afterwards because of the drugs, or um, or you're just your reality during like during that that time was like very off. You know what I mean? I mean, I I uh, I think I. To be honest, I don't think I really grasped what I had done until hmm. the next day to the drugs wore off. During right. the process of that night, I was so out of my mind that I don't I didn't really grasp what I had done until the next day after, you know, I woke up and and things began to come back to me in a slow piece. Hmm. But it was done. That happened, and because of that, uh, you uh, found yourself uh, in prison. Uh, I guess let's go from there. What you know? What was that experience like? Well, you know, I was basically where I really needed to be because um, my, I mean, I had a real bad attitude toward life and everything, uh, drugs. Um, I, I mean, even in prison for the first fifteen years in there, I continued to basically use drugs off and on. Um, either hung with people that got drug manipulated staff to bring drugs in. And, you know, I continued to, to, to use drugs and be a victim of the drug. And, hmm. um, it's what I continued to hide in, um, it, that lifestyle, you know, was something that I just kind of just indulged in because uh, I had gotten so far from God that I, you know, the, the spirit didn't even move in me. I mean, hmm. I had, just grown so cold right. to the, to the spirit of God that um, it didn't even affect me. Mm. It wasn't until uh, the early two thousands I went to a prison, a Dodge State Prison down in uh, Chester, Georgia, and uh, it was two chaplains down there. They kind of worked together. Um, that really changed my life. That's where mm. my life began to take a different turn because I had kind of searched for God in many ways. Right. Um, Growing up, you know, my mom's a Jehovah Witness, and I was, you know, I grown up thinking, you know, or taught that you had Jehovah, the the Father, and Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they were all three different. So I was, you know, I really didn't have a good understanding of, you know, who God really was. And these two pastors, these two chaplains down there, um, they had a thing. They had uh, Christian videos. Every Saturday evening, they would show a video. And you go to the visitation area, and they would show videos. And the chaplain, Chaplain Averett, would always, you know, give a little bit of a speech. And I remember the first time I went, it was around right before Christmas, one of his favorite movies, he was showing um, What a Wonderful Life with uh, Jimmy Stewart, I think. And, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've never back. seen that, but everybody talks about it. <laughs> and I continued to go back, you know, and, uh, and he, he was showing uh, movies um, – Love Comes Softly. These were movies that um, Michael Landon Jr. had uh, produced. Um, and all the movies he was showing, you know, they just had this great impact. Um, Flywheel, the, the the pastors down at the church in Albany, he, he just showed 
these movies that really touched you and he, he mm. the way he talked and then also every month these two chaplains they would get together and they would have a birthday party and uh who whichever inmates birthday was that month they could all come to the child mm. and i guess they would get a church to volunteer to you know either volunteer or volunteer or, or raise money right to buy stuff but he would always make um stuff to bring he would always make the cupcakes and the church would provide the ice cream and these chaplains would come out on the compound and they would walk into the dorms and they would talk to guys and mm. and they would tell you they love you you know and right and it's like that, a certain level of of uh or they kind of like you know made you feel human again i guess or like normal again in, in some way uh yeah so different because you know in my past the only time you saw a chaplain come out on the compound was when he was coming to tell somebody that, hey, your mom just passed, or hmm. they was just like the grim, grim reaper, you know, bringing bad news. And here these two were, they were out there evangelizing, you know, uh, trying to spread the love of Christ. Hmm. And and it was a real slow thing, you know. The, the And he had a Monday night Bible study. All of a sudden I found myself starting to go to church, and, you know, and I was drawn into this Bible study, and I was just starting to soak in. And, you know, I, I was becoming really hungry. And I, I was just wanting to know, God, who are you? And I came to a place. I just came to a place that I was so sick of who I was mm. and who I had been and, and and the life I was living that, you know, when I looked in the mirror, I just said, you know, I am sick of you. I am sick of who you are. Um, I, I, I'm just totally sick of this life, you know. And mm. I, I, I went on a fast because I really wanted to know who God was. And I began to fast and pray. And um, it was during this time, it was about a three-day fast. It was a three-day fast. And it was on the third day that um, as I was just kind of meditating, that the Holy Spirit spoke directly to me. Hmm. And in almost an audible voice, just said, John 2.19, John 2.19. And I went to my Bible and I picked up John 2.19. And it was Jesus telling the, Pharisees, you know, are he's telling them to, to destroy this temple, and in three days I'll build it back. And the when I read it, the immediate word that stuck out was I. It said in three days I will build it back. And I began to ask myself, you know, how could a dead man build a temple back? So that began to show me who Christ was, that mm. that Christ was, you know, he was everything. That in Christ was everything that that he was God, he was Jesus, and 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 that answered this huge burning question in my life was, you know, who are you? Right. It was like I am everything, everything that you need. That's who I am. Hmm. You know, I am the great I am, and and it just kind of went from there. I just began to just really grow hungry for His Word, and hmm. my heart began to break for things that never bothered me before right uh, dries for so long and all of a sudden a little commercial and tears running down my face <laughs> in the crowd the slightest thing you right know, heart so in your experience was there ever a time and this could be either uh back then or since then but was there ever a time where it, it, that you felt you were in a mental place that you would never get out of and the reason i ask this is about five or six years ago, I went through uh, depression, and and I hadn't been through that before, and I haven't been through that since. Uh, thank God, but 
in that moment, I uh, like the devil is telling me, like, you will never leave this frame of mind. The way you feel now, you will feel this way forever. And, you know, there was some part of me that knew that probably wasn't true, that things could get better, but I didn't know if I could trust that voice. And um, was there ever a time uh, that you felt that way, that you felt that, you know, I don't know if things are going to change from this? Well, I think for those 15 years in there, when I was living the way I was living, that was the way I was feeling, that that was it. You know, this is it. You know, this mm. that's the way I felt. This is it. And, you know, I didn't... Yeah, you you do something long enough, you start thinking it's who you are. Yeah. And, well, like, do you feel like the turning point moment was uh, was like the movies or like or just what was the thing that like turned your heart? And I guess we kind of already went over this. Yeah. What what was the thing that you felt like this is the moment I cannot live as a victim of what I have done or what was done to me, and I have to uh, I have to change this. When I look back, you know, sometimes I think, you know, during that fast, you know, hearing God's voice speak to me, realizing for the first time in my life just how real God is, I think that that, you know, affected me a lot. But then I think about it, you know, and, and it's a it's a slow thing. Right. Nothing really happened. Fa- it was the it was a, a, an accumulation of all the, them chaplains, how they lived their faith out in front of me. Hmm. Uh, it, 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 it began to minister to me in a very slow, soft way. And I slowly began right. to come around. Right. I think that's super important because I think about in my in my personal life now, I don't really feel like day to day, like my, uh, just like that my life is necessarily this huge influence on someone. But like you were saying, when you just live a certain way, your the way that your normal is influences people around you that don't say anything, but it's still you know it still is affecting them. That um, your just day to day life, the way that you look at the world, changes the people around you in some way or another. And um, another thing I wanted to ask you was um, since then, because I think this is super important. I've had uh, some like major uh, you know peaks and valleys and stuff, but I think some of the hardest times are the kind of middles you know what i mean like when i really hit rock bottom i really turn to god and i cut all the crap and i'm super honest and because of that i there's usually you know this like uh euphoric moment right after that there's this like epiphany right after that because of my honesty in that moment but uh but i feel like the 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 times where things are just kind of in between um can be the hardest and my question to you being either to do with, you know, uh, guilt of things that, you know, that you've been set free of or just physical, literal things. What things have you changed since then, day to day? Um, Like, for example, like, you know, times where I was living uh, really unhealthy, I would just like sometimes forget to eat. Um, It wasn't any kind of like eating disorder or anything. I was just so out of a rhythm that um, that I would just sometimes like miss a meal or whatever, and then feel really weird. Um, but just things like that. What are things that you do now to to put a a healthy like normal in your in your current life? You know what I mean. Well, one of the I think one of the main things you know is um the wife God has given me hmm. um, since coming home. You know the the wife He has placed in my life. And where and, did you know her? Like, when did you meet her? Did you meet her before that, or, or 
where does she fit in the picture as far as when you met her? Well, I met her, you know, when I came home, I was going to college and um, I met her at college. And uh, it was like a, all of a sudden thing. Hmm. Um, her mother had just passed. And um, we just um, bonded immediately. Once we started talking, you know, we, we bonded immediately. And, uh, I mean, I knew immediately that, you know, this, to me, in, in I knew immediately this was the woman I wanted to spend my life with. Wow. Because, she had... Be, go ahead. Go ahead. I was, no, keep going. I was just saying... Uh, there's like that moment where because she had, I guess because what she was currently going through and, and because of what you had been through, you maybe could uh, talk or relate on a deeper level than than just a surface thing. Um, yeah. And I guess that's stupid to even say, but I feel like a lot of people, when I meet them, I don't even know, like, you know, how do I, where are they? Have they been through enough that I can be real me? You know what I mean? Um but go ahead. What you were saying about about her? Well, I mean, one of the greatest things about her she's she's a real anchor in my life because um, she's so brutally honest about everything, and that's one of the amazing things with our relationship is um, being able to be so honest with each other mm. about everything. We don't have to pretend, or we don't live a pretending life with each other. Um, the things in each other's life doesn't upset the other one. Mm. We accept each other and we love each other and encourage each other. And just her, the way she has um, been there for me. And um, it's just amazing. I I mean, I remember um, just so many times that she has just been encouraging. And that alone has been something that just helped me focus on my faith and know that God is going to see us through. Right. Um, the last thing is, what would you say to the person that feels like they're on the fringe of who they were and, you know, in some better version of them? You know, like they don't they don't really want to go back to the old, uh, but, you know, when they embrace the new, whether that be church or something like that, they just don't feel comfortable there. They feel like judged there, out of place there. You know, they don't, the the old them is not the way they want to keep going. But the next version of them is, is, you know, is scary. What do you, what would you say to that person? Um, when you get to that place, a lot of times you have to push through to God. Hmm. You, you know, you, because you, you're, you're at a, you're at a place where a door is fisting to be opened or you're at a place to where so much is fisting to be revealed to you, but you're, you're, you're scared of the unknown. You got to push through to God. You got to say, "Lord, I'm scared. I need I need you right now more than ever." Hmm. And you have to push through. Um, that's been one of the things, you know. Um, is if you look back, you know where you've been, right? And you know what you'll go back to, right? When when you when 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 you know that that's back there, and you have to look to God and say, "God, I want more of you." And sometimes I've learned that you have to, you have to challenge God. You you have to you have to you have to challenge Him to to show you something to 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 open something up for you to, because one thing about God, I mean, He's not such a a, a little God that when you talk to Him, it's like, you know, He's not on a level with you. God is closer to you than right any that you could ever have. And, and, right, and I know, hear people say this all the time, and uh, yeah, just just what you're saying. Um, 
actually I have two comments on this. One, as far as just changing the people or whatever, something that, you know, I heard a long time ago is, you know, if you're not where you want to be and everyone around you is saying you're doing the right thing, then you're around the wrong people because you're not where you want to be. And um, but this going back to to your last comment, um, I and I don't I don't know where what your take is on this, but I feel like a lot of times my the reason I don't run to God first or when I do run to God, I'm not really honest, is that if I was really honest, I don't know whether I believe in his goodness. You know what I mean? I don't know. And I know that sounds all churchy or whatever, but I genuinely sometimes feel like the reason I don't come to God is because I don't know that there's love there when I get there. You know what I mean? And because, you know, to someone who was lost and now they're found, you see that they are forgiven and they feel it. But to someone like me who clearly knew better and is just falling in the same thing over and over, um, and not and, and I'm not trying to set you up to say, uh, oh, just like accept the things you're messing up. I'm not saying that. But that I but that if I truly trusted in the kindness of God that I would uh I would run in that direction sooner, you know what I mean? And um the one last thing and and I'm not trying to prompt you say whatever you want to say here. Are there ever moments now that you you know you have like flashback feelings of mistakes you've made, you know what I mean? Um again, you don't have to I'm not I'm not trying to prompt you or whatever. I just know that that happens to me. And what do you do? in that moment, you know what I mean? When when these things are brought up from the past that you've done and and you know, the devil in the world tries to put that back on your shoulders, you know. Well, I'll be honest, yeah. I mean, you know, the devil, that's what he does. He accuses us. So there's plenty of times that I look back or or you know, Thomas doubted, you know. So I mean, yeah, there's plenty of times that I look back and see what I've done and I'm like you know, I just can't believe that uh, a God so righteous and, you know, could forgive me. And but then I, I always look back at something he's done in my life that, you know, it's not by accident or anything. It's something that I can put my finger on. You know, it's something that I can actually put, whether it's that him speaking to me audibly when I was fasting or praying mm. or something that I seen him do in my life through my child or my wife. And I know it was the hand of God, His, right. you know, it, denying it i'll look at that and that'll remind me of his goodnesses right because see after just the same way that the devil will point you at your mistakes you also when he points you at your mistakes you got to look at the things that god done brought you over the things that god done took out of your life the things that god has built you up from when you see the hand of god in your life and you look at that hand of god it helps it, it helps you to get over the devil accusing you and your doubts because we all know that you know we can't do this thing on our own right. and then the one thing they can they're, they're badly mistaken it's only by god alone that we can do this right and, and i i bring this up because things that i've experienced like i have moments where the devil says like all that stuff that you experience what if you know what if that never actually did happen and uh or whatever you know um just kind of trying to rewrite history in that way that um and just you experience that because like you just like you just said um i just as far as my mind is always pushing towards atheism and i don't say that as trying to be like uh cool or something not that it even is but like my mind pushes in a cynical direction 
But I have just seen too much uh, of what God uh, can do to to be able to believe that that there are too many holes in that theory. That you know your uh, you know your heart or you as a human are really made up of the literal and your soul and your heart, and, and that you know the atheistic uh, worldview really only satisfies the literal aspect, and there are a few other things that it leaves totally dry. You know the love that you have for your kid. Um, that can't really be explained under that framework that just like these major things that you experience uh, cannot be explained through that. But, um, you know, uh, you know, what are like small things that you do, you know, when the devil says, well, those experiences that, you know, that God did do in the past, you know, what if that really, what if it really wasn't that? What if it was just something else and you just worked it out? Uh, you know, when, when those things come, if they come. Uh, what are you know? What do you do uh, in small ways to go? Nope, we're not buying that. We're we're not doing that. Well, you know, at the end of the day, when 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 you've when you've experienced God, when you've tasted of the of the things of God, you know that they're good and it tastes good. It feels good. Everything about it. And when you've played in sin, when you've lived in the devil's world, you know that the 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 it tastes good for the moment. But when you wake up in the morning. It's so awful. It's so bad. Um, you're broke. Your money's gone, or whatever, or you're miserable. Um, that's one thing I never forget. You know, whenever I was living for the things of the world and living for the devil, I had laughter aplenty. Right. At the, but every morning I woke up, I woke up miserable pretty much. Mm. And this thing that God has given me, this joy inside of me, I mean, it just. I can't explain it. I mean, you know, you can't, you can tell somebody about it. You can do whatever, but they will never know until they taste of his goodness. And when, and just like, even in your life, you've tasted of his goodness and you know that taste. Right. And I'm saying what, you know, what do you say to the person that's skeptical of that? You know, they're not to that breaking point where I had to get to a point of almost life and death of, of being suicidal before I was really honest with God. And I grew up in a in a Christian home, uh, you know, in a, with amazing parents and all that kind of stuff, and did all the stuff you're supposed to do. But that almost taught me a fake way of doing it, so that I had to go through stuff uh, to uh, to get to a place where I really all of that went away, and I was just super honest with God and just said, you know, if you aren't here, then I can't, I won't keep living. But if you are, please, please, just help me. You know what I mean? The person that uh, is skeptical, you know, what what do you say to that person other than, uh, you know, maybe most of what you need to tell them is is the way you act, uh, obviously, and I would say that from being around you, but um, but what do you say to that person, you know what I mean? They're just skeptical of the whole thing, you know, they listen to this podcast and they thought it might be something about how to help you with money or how to, uh, or just like how to have good habits or whatever um you know what do you you know what what is your message to that person that isn't even sure about it at all you know well to the person that's out there on the edge of uh believing whether there's a god or not a god what do you have to lose what do you have to lose by trying god that what do you have to lose i mean that that that's that's a big question what do you, what do you have to lose you can't lose anything by tasting and seeing and trying uh try god try him uh put him to a test you know uh and and look out take a real good clear look 
out into the world around you. Um, you look at all, a lot of guys, they look at all the evil and stuff. They look at babies being molested and yeah. killed, murdered. People look at all that and they say, well, how could they be a God? Right. How could they be a God? But look out into the, all of it, the whole of the whole picture. And look at, you know, there's miracles all around us every day. Um, all I can, you know, that, that person, he has to step out right. on his, you know, um, my faith won't save no one but me. It right. won't even save a five-year-old, three-year-old, or five-month-old. Right, and in It'll, some ways, there is, right, exactly. In some ways, there is nothing you can say. All you can say is, I was really in a bad way, and uh, I saw things change, you know, that I, there's no way I could have done them. And that's all I know, you know. And, uh that, I just, you know, my heart goes out to that person, you know, and uh, I don't even have a, qu a question related to this, but um, I feel like a lot of people have had one major event that hurt them, and they live out of that hurt from then on. And, you know, I, I have experienced that as well for long periods of time where one thing happened and things were defined by that moment. And, um, and you know, just... Uh, again, I don't even have anything to say about this other than to say, you know, uh, I think mourning something that uh, has happened to you is extremely healthy and learning how to walk through it and to not run away from it. But at the end of that, um, to pick up the pieces of your life, whatever they are, and say, God, uh, you know, what, let's, what can we do? You know, let's do something. And, um, you know, the whole reason for this podcast, and, and I don't want to, uh, just ramble, but the whole reason for this is a personal thing that I came to a fork in the road, really, with a bunch of disappointments that happened, uh, small things that were huge things to me, and um, and that brought me to this fork in the road where I either find someone to blame and find someone to, to stay angry with, um, or I just say, I'm j every day I'm going to pick up the pieces of what I have, and I'm not going to look at other people's cards and what they've been dealt, uh, but whatever my situation is, I'm just going to set something out there, set a goal out there, or not, not even a goal, because I'm not even like a, a really a goal person, but to just, to just decide, there's one decision I made, and I don't remember when, that I will not be a victim of what has happened to me, and that, you know, after the, the morning, and after walking through the emotions, to just come out of that and say, we will not live out of that hurt, there is more to me, and there is more to uh, what I'm capable of. And I just want to encourage the person that is in that frame of mind that, you know, if something has happened, whether anyone else knows about it or everyone knows about it, if there is something that happened that has defined what you've become, to just, to not, to just know this is not the end. And I know that sounds real cliche or whatever, but I just know for me, I was in that place where I thought uh, I would live the rest of my life in that mindset. And uh, and because of God's kindness, things majorly changed. And Bill, thank you so much for your time. And uh, this, that's about it for this week. Uh, join us next Monday, and we'll see you then. Thank you so much, Bill. And, thank you. Uh, bye, man. <laughs>